0: This is a podcast from ABC Radio Overnights. I'm Rod Quinn. Results from the 2021 Census in Australia reveal that the percentage of Australians identifying as having no religion has climbed to 38.9%, and that is up from 29.9% at the 2016 Census and 22.3% in 2011. Just 50 years ago, the lifetime of many people listening to this program, in 1971, 86.2% of the population said they were Christian, and only 6.7% ticked no religion. Now, fewer than half of Australians, 43.9%, say they are Christian, with the largest Christian denomination being Catholic, 20%, and Anglican, down to a staggeringly low 10%. So, is Australia still a Christian country? And what's causing people to turn their backs on religion? Does it make any difference at all to the moral direction of this country? This morning, for our Talking Point, we'll be discussing religion in Australia and its seeming decline. Our guest is Anna Halifoff, Associate Professor of Sociology at Deakin University and also the UN Alliance of Civilizations Global Expert. Professor, a very good morning to you.
1: Good morning, Rod. Pleasure to be here.
0: Let's start with a pretty simple question. Is religion in Australia in terminal decline?
1: Well, when you look at the census figures, uh, that does seem to be the case. I would argue, and uh, there are other studies and research that we've conducted recently, let's say on young people in Australia, that show a bit more of a complex picture But beginning with the census data, as you mentioned, the decline, particularly in Christianity, uh, is certainly dramatic.
0: Demography is destiny, they say. Is our destiny that fewer and fewer people identify as religious, but specifically Christian? That if Christian, 43.9% say they are Christian. I mean, that's down by nearly half over 50 years. That in another 50 years, we might be looking at 10 or 15%
1: uh look it's it's difficult to predict that certainly the the trend looks that way uh that the decline in Christianity broadly is dramatic and continuing, but there are other things going on so when you look at uh the different Christian denominations as you mentioned uh Catholicism is still fairly strong in australia and 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 that is a lot to do with migration. Uh, Anglicanism has definitely declined, but there are other forms of Christianity that are also growing. So, uh, again, we need to look at that more complex picture to to, to really find out what's going on. So there's there's no doubt that the more kind of uh, what scholars have called old-style religion and Christianity is declining. So Christianity, as we think about it, you know, in your local community, going to your local church. It's no longer the centre of people's life in a way that it used to be, say, 70 years ago, say, like, in the 1950s or 60s. Uh, And the reasons for that, again, are complex. Because we live in an increasingly capitalist, neoliberal world, there are many other things that you do now for entertainment. You don't go to the local church uh, dance or community events so much, we have a lot of other things on offer from the secular state. So I think this, uh, the theory of secularization is very relevant now in that people are turning away from the centrality of religion uh, in, in modern lives. But I think also people are becoming more critical, understandably, of aspects of religion and in this case uh christianity particularly so because there have been a lot of scandals uh and a lot of very uh disturbing things happening within the church that have been revealed in inquiries uh, pertaining to say uh sexual abuse of young people and this has happened not just in australia but internationally i think the churches conservative attitudes about things, um, particularly attitudes around uh, sexuality, diversity and LGBTIQ plus rights is something that our research on young people has also shown uh, is turning people away from the church because church values are not so compatible with contemporary modern values around respect for equality.
0: Okay, I want to get to Jenny to comment on that as well. Jenny, good morning.
1: Yes, I have
2: a slightly different angle. I believe that these figures show a maturity in our society where people are not afraid to say their own truth. People can say, I am gay, I am indigenous, I am Christian, I do not believe. And by and large, that is now acceptable and I'm a Christian, a practicing Christian, always have been and hope will be. I don't see the church dying. I believe it's evolving and will always be relevant.
0: So can I ask how that will happen? Um, <laughs> no, no, I mean, when, for example, I, mean, I, I what kind of Christian would you call yourself? I'm a believer in Christ. you go to uh, church regularly. Yes, which particular church is what I'm asking?
2: Uh, Well, denomination doesn't matter to me. I've been in many different churches and found fellowship in each of them. And I put myself down on the census as Christian. Okay. Because denomination is not the key question as Mm. far as I'm concerned.
0: All right, Jenny, thank you very much for that. And I'll just get you, if you want, please comment on what Jenny said, but also that that Anglican was once the the main religion, the main Christian religion in Australia. That appears to be, if it's down to less than ten percent now, they're in serious decline.
1: Definitely, and they're also an aging religion. Uh, so there are other religions in Australia, and also other denominations uh, that have younger cohorts, and so they. Uh, represented in healthier kind of figures or growing figures uh, in the census data, particularly among the so-called minority religions. But Jenny's comments, I think, are still really insightful and really important to note because uh, we shouldn't conflate religion and Christianity only with these conservative views. Uh, There are progressive Christians, certainly, among older generations and also younger generations. And I think Jenny's first point too, that we're less bounded by the sort of institutional uh, affiliations with religion, as in a lot of people who tick the no religion box are actually still deeply spiritual. And uh, they may even identify, as Jenny does, as a Christian even to some degree, uh, but not to the degree that they would then tick that census box. Mm. So you think uh,
0: we need uh, better questions on the census? Hmm? Do you think we need better or clearer questions on the census? Uh, Honestly,
1: I think um, uh, there are surveys, there are many other surveys where people do get a choice to identify as spiritual or spiritual but not religious in the same level of question that they're asked about their religious identity now in the census this is where it all gets a bit complex you you can tick a box to say you're spiritual but it's it's a a sort of subcategory uh of being non-religious so not everyone really bothers to tick those subcategory boxes in the australian census Mm -hmm. but um By contrast, and this actually speaks to Jenny's point as well, so I think this is, um, if you don't mind, I'll just cite some other statistics Mm -hmm. from a nationally representative uh, sample of young people of Generation Z that we conducted, uh, Monash University, Deakin University and ANU, and we found that actually it's, um, we did a latent class analysis that gives you a bit of a more complex picture So we found that it was only 23% of young people who were strongly non-religious. We had 15% that are indifferent, 18% that are spiritual but not religious, 8% that are religious and spiritual, 20% that are nominally religious, and many of them are Catholic and uh, Hindu and Buddhist and 17% who are religiously committed, and many of them are Christian and Muslim. So those data, that that shows you a far more complex picture, that even though religion is on the decline, as in Christianity is on the decline, uh, there is still a significant proportion of young people who are religious and who are even strongly religiously committed, and they could be progressive
0: or conservative. So... Lynette in mascot says, "I think a lot of people believe in a higher power, but not religious institutions. Is that what you're finding as well?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. and that's the the spiritual but not religious. And even the ones who are spiritual and religious, again, could still could still even quite deeply have a connection even with their own religious tradition as well as their spirituality, but not strong enough to identify. As only religious, and exactly as your um, uh, the person who texted in just said, uh, with a specific religious group.
0: Yeah, okay, Paul is with us in Denmark. Good morning, Paul. Good, mor-
3: good nice. morning, Rod. Yeah. Yep. Uh, my comment was that, um, well, for example, where I am, I came from Australia to, to Denmark, and in Denmark, it's a institutionalised uh, um, Lutheran. Yes. Christian society, but there is also a percentage of uh, Catholics, which is what I am. But what I found in my local community was, although they're 40, 30 kilometres away from where I live to the church, that the priest I had there, he was the difference. The quality of the the person uh, made a huge difference to me uh, in the way I was welcomed, in the way that um all my kids are baptized in the the Catholic Church here in Denmark, and um uh the it's it's community within the community and it uh, as far as Catholicism goes, I'm not a strict Catholic in the way that I believe in some things that the Catholic doesn't approve of mm-hmm. I believe in a woman's right to an abortion I believe in a woman a, a people's own choice of sexuality in fact my middle child here uh, uh, recently declared, told me that she's bisexual and I'm okay with that and I'm also okay with people choosing their path because I don't believe the two things inter- interact, intersect if you know what I mean that, yeah. that they're not you, you can be Christian and, and Catholic and also be a person who's not necessarily straight. All
0: right. Paul, thank you so much for that. I appreciate that, and thank you. Calling all the way from Denmark. And um, Anna, so this has been a problem for the church that has, you know, we're talking about Christian churches, but not only Christian churches, other uh, churches as well, that have been very... Anti-gay or not embracing of gay or people uh, in that community, the queer community, if you're the rainbow community, I think we might call it these days, um, and people have left the church because of that, because they don't feel welcomed. Is that, how important is that? Given that so many more people feel comfortable in um, expressing themselves or revealing their uh, their preferences, that the church is not interested in them.
1: I think it's really significant and also it's certainly been something that has come up in our research on young people in Australia and also in another uh, important study on young people and uh, religion and sexuality in Canada that colleagues of ours conducted. So uh, I think uh, as, as your caller said, religion provides community. That is really, really important spirituality also provides community there's a sense uh there there used to be a sense of thinking of spirituality as the kind of individualized uh good guy and religion as the institutionalized bad guy but again our research and other people's research suggests that uh spirituality is also something that is practiced in groups and provides a sense of community to people so If you feel that your community is not inclusive and is not... doesn't hold the same kind of values that uh, your contemporary society and your, your social groups and your school, for example, or your university holds, you can see that there's a, a, a potential disjuncture there. Mm. Now, as two of your callers mentioned, it is really important to note that not all Christian groups are homophobic and there are progressive Christian alliances to support people of diverse sexualities, and also to support uh, trans people. There's allies. Uh, but there are also, as we know, segments of religious groups and not just Christian groups, religious groups that are uh, discriminatory towards people of diverse sexuality and um, gender identities. And, yeah, this is a huge disjuncture for young people. So it comes up in, say, interviews uh, with young people around why they have um. Issues with uh, Christianity and why they, even again, if a young person themselves is Christian and uh, lesbian or homosexual, or you know, you can be both, certainly, again, as your callers have said, but sometimes that there can be harms caused, uh, especially to young people uh, of div- diverse identities within um, the yeah. conservative Christian. Groups and okay. other conservative religious groups, and that's a problem. Young people see that as a problem.
0: Yeah. all right. Uh, Anne is next in Rockhampton. Hello, Anne.
1: Good morning.
0: I was like to say, Anne, what's your comment?
1: Yes,
2: I, I am a Christian, but I find that the churches today don't want to save your soul, they just want to take what they, you have in your purse.
0: Is any particular church?
2: Uh, m- most I'd like Jenny, I have tried many churches, and I find the same thing all the time. They want they want money for this and money for that.
0: For what in particular, but, Anne?
2: Oh, You know, orphanages in Ethiopia and mm. India. And what about, you know, I say to myself, what about Australia and all our children who need help? Okay. They want to do good overseas, but they don't want to see, spend the money here. All
0: right, Anne, thank you very much for that. Um, Anna, what's your... Thoughts on what Anne had to say?
1: Yeah, look, I think it, it brings up two things. One, one there's a positive thing. Obviously, uh, religious groups, and I'll say generally religious groups, do a lot of good often in their community as well. there is There are teachings that, uh, again, in many religions that uh, make it very clear that you should be helpful to those who have less than you. Uh, And so this connection between doing good in your community and and in the broader global community is very strong with Christian groups and also other religious groups and and providing aid also during disasters. There's a lot of religious groups that do amazing work in that space. Uh, On the flip side... I think what's interesting, and it brings up a, a, another sort of uh, interesting point, perhaps uh, around why some religions are thriving and why others are struggling, is that our dominant, uh, as well, I should say, as sociologist Francois Gortier says, uh, our our dominant ideology globally, without a doubt, is capitalism, is neoliberalism. I mean, we live in a time when we are surrounded by. Um, material values and consumption and the pressure to consume. And so his argument um, in a recent book that he's published, I think in 2020, is that uh, religious and spiritual organizations that are aligning themselves with these neoliberal values, so uh, around kind of um, individual autonomy, uh, also using the internet to propagate their messages online, charismatic authority, again, this providing a sort of good lifestyle, uh, aligning themselves with neoliberal values. A lot of those groups are the ones that are actually really flourishing flourishing and attracting uh Attracting devotees, and, and that happens in spiritual groups, but also in religious groups. And at the same time, he says there are other groups that are against neoliberalism, and those types of groups are also ones that are attracting followers. Uh, because again, it's relevant to be either pro neoliberal or anti neoliberal, um, given that that is our sort of dominant, um, yeah dominant paradigm. So again, as your caller said, the fact that she feels that she's always being asked for money, I think, could also be a reflection of the fact that we're in this neoliberal society and um, that everything seems to be increasingly uh, concerned sure. with money.
0: And I'll read a text about that in a moment. And Ian says, climate change is the new religion. But Will says, can you ask your guest, and our guest is um, from the Deakin University, uh, Anna Halifoff, Um Will says, "Can you ask if the mega trend uh, here is a continuing shift towards individualism and egoism, and a decline in altruism and collectivism, with religion being one symptom or one victim, perhaps?"
1: I think, yeah, it's a, it, that's a good point to make, and again, it, it aligns with the other dominant ideology of neoliberalism, that is very much, as I just said before, the. the it, the emphasis is on uh, individualism, on autonomy, and and those things do have the potential then to erode uh, senses of collectivity and um, I would say compassion is a big thing that seems to be missing in society these days. Uh, but again, as I mentioned earlier, it's a little bit more complex because I think... That even some of the spiritual groups and uh, some of the religious groups that are flourishing at the moment, they are very much providing, as I said earlier, community and um, a, a sense of a collective to people. So I think that that innate human sort of relationality, whether it's with uh, one another, with people or with the natural world is, is very deep. Uh, so I think neoliberalism does try to erode that Mm -hmm. sense of community, but I think the sense of community is still there. And I think people are still looking for it. Um, again, this, this people often say that this is more of a cultural thing too, that it's not, um, it's not just neoliberalism, but it's the sort of Western so-called Western societies that are less, uh, collectively minded, uh. And I think you know there is probably something in that too all
0: right, uh, Jamie wants to pick up on a lot of this jamie good morning
4: oh, good morning, Rod, and good morning Anna. Um, good I, think morning. Unpa- yeah, good morning. I think there's a lot to unpack. yeah good morning I think there 's a lot to unpackage here. Um, I really like the conversation I feel i 'm fifty eight years old. I feel as though the brand name of religion has been um, trashed during my lifetime when I was a young person, I felt that the values held in religion were something to aspire to. But increasingly these days I find, I I hear people on the radio or see them on TV, that they claim to to wear the religious jersey, but then their actions, their lack of um, compassion towards um, desperate humans, um, it it doesn't align with um, the values of of religion. Yeah, that's what I'd like to say.
0: All right. Thank you very much for that, Jamie. Um, I mean, in a way, many of these religions have trashed their own brand, though, haven't they, Anna?
1: Yes, absolutely. And I think Jamie makes um, very valid points, particularly from a more sort of progressive perspective, that uh, we do see a lot of... um, outspoken uh, religious leaders and groups doing things that you know really don't align with what we think of as progressive as progressive religion so again that point of not being compassionate to others not being caring and kind to others being very judgmental and being um uh you know a, 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 and we've also seen since 9/11 a lot of violence committed Uh, in the name of religion. Now, of course, that that happened before 9-11, but 9-11 was such a public uh, event, you know, because of social media and everything as well. So I think that sort of association of religion with violence, whether it's direct violence such as terrorism or whether it's structural violence against women, against uh, LGBTIQ people, uh, even against... um, the the natural world, you know, these kinds of uh, Christian dominionist kind of ideologies where we are here not to live in harmony with one another in the natural world but to extract from it and to control it and to take from it. I think there's a lot of critique of all of those things, understandably. One thing we haven't mentioned, which I think is also really important to note, is also the uh, increasing... uh, you know, science is also a, a new god in a way. Like uh, yep. science, the belief in science is really significant and and this sense of religion being something that is irrational uh, and that re- a religion um, depends on... Well, in on the old
0: days, life. and we're talking about a long time ago perhaps, but when people needed an explanation for something, religion gave it to them by saying, well, it was God's work or that's why, that's who made the heavens and earth. Um, and we still have you know prob- most probably in America, but religions Christian religions who believe that the earth was made six thousand years ago in seven days and they genuinely believe that, whereas science has proved that not to be the case. so why, haven't, why hasn't religion being able why haven't religions been able to kind of embrace science the way that many believers would like them to?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, and I think this is, this is it. So we have all these scientific um, advances and explanations that debunk a lot of what uh, is literally there in many religious texts. And also people, as you say, people turn to religion for the answer to big questions, but now science can provide the answer for some of those questions, but not all of them, you know. So I think people still have the big questions. And and so religion and spirituality certainly is very much alive and well, okay? (laughs) There's no doubt that people are still... Uh, investing significant amounts of time and money and energy in different spiritual and religious uh, groups and pursuits. So I think there are religious groups that have changed in time and aligned themselves with science. There are some religious groups, uh, particularly, say, Buddhism, that has um, prided itself, uh, modern, so-called modern Buddhism... Uh, around his kind of alignment uh, with science. And the Dalai Lama himself has been involved in these wonderful conversations with scientists as part of the Mind and Life Institute. So, But again, it's complex. There are also other things in Buddhism that uh, are certainly not scientifically proven, you know. So again, it's complex.
0: All right. Alan is next in Benalla. Good morning, Alan. Good morning, Rod. How are you going? I'm very well. Um, We've got Anna with us as well.
5: Look, I've never been religious And um, I suggest the alternative to religion is utilitarian um, utilitarian ethics and risk management. During the pandemic, everyone has become risk conscious and it's upset them. But, you know, for the last 200 years in Australia, our health and safety industrial laws have been based on the Ten Commandments. They were prescriptive legislation. With prescriptive legislation, to get that legislation... First of all, you've got to have an incident, and you've had the incident. So why would you have the legislation? You know, it's you've got it back back the front. You need to manage the risk. You know, I worked in a once worked in a place where you could disappear in an instant. If I thought one of my people was religious in that situation, I think I'd probably sack him.
0: Okay. All right, Alan. Thank you very much for that. Um, Now, here's a question as well, and this is something I wanted to get to. Uh, Religion has been declining since different organisations from the top prefer to make millions of dollars on Sunday by opening shopping centres, playing all major sports. The list just goes on and on. People don't go to church. Now, I'm old enough to remember, I don't know whether you are, Anna, when all shops closed at midday on a Saturday. And if you wanted to get all your shopping done, it had to be done by then. And on Saturday afternoon and on Sunday it was closed. So if everything was closed on Sunday and there wasn't a lot of sport on Sunday either, people did go to church on Sunday morning generally and then gathered and had family lunches, that Sunday roast, for example, on Sunday afternoon, and they stayed home on Sunday night. They stayed together. Once that ended well, there was no reason to go to church. And then they changed uh, some to, oh, you can go on Saturday night. And a lot of people thought, hang on a minute, you can't tell me one thing for hundreds of years you had to do it on a Sunday and then say, oh, actually, you can do it on a Saturday.
1: I think that's very true. And it speaks to points that I made earlier, you know, uh, in terms of arguments for secularisation over time is that, yeah, there are so many things, more exciting things to do now on a weekend. And, again, a lot of that is uh, part of this neoliberalism and capitalism that, that shops are open all the time. Like, once again, it's sort of evidence of that being our dominant ideology, not Christianity. Uh, but one thing I also wanted to, to speak to is um, this, this notion and, and people, including ourselves, have also talked about it actually as a myth of Australia being a Christian country because one thing we haven't really touched on yet is the deep significance of spirituality and religion to First Nations Australians so Before Christianity even came to this country, there were rich spiritual and religious lives among First Nations people and quite diverse all around the country. And then the other thing that people don't commonly know is up until 1901 and the introduction of the racist white Australia policy, the Immigration Restriction Act, Australia was very religiously diverse. In the 19th century. There were very large numbers of Chinese and Japanese uh, migrants and workers, particularly in the far north, uh, but all around the country with mining, purling and sugarcane industries and lots of migrants also from um, South Asia. So we we actually had a much more kind of diverse population religiously before the introduction of the 1901 policy, which went till the 1970s. So this period where we think of Australia as being predominantly white and Christian was orchestrated by a policy, by a legislation, mm. uh, and once that policy was uh, revoked, and again from the 1970s onwards, we have an incredibly rich, spiritually and religiously diverse society again with many migrant communities. And the so-called minority faiths are also flourishing and interest in Indigenous spirituality and culture has also grown so much in in the last years.
0: Okay. Here's another few. Graham says... the various institutions that claim to represent faith have failed in being exposed covers for fraud, sexual misconduct and misogyny. This conduct is not confined to one faith or of religion and seems to be spread globally. It probably has always been this way, but modern communication has exposed it. Julie says the description of religion needs to be clarified. I believe Christianity is someone who follows the teachings of Jesus. Which church they identify with is another matter. And um, someone else listening from Melbourne says, the problem is a misunderstanding in my view. To use an analogy, religion is to church what water is to a glass of water.
1: I think all of those comments are, are, are really important. So the, the, the last two I think are really showing you again uh, comments that our first caller mentioned is that People still have, and it speaks to things I've been speaking about as well, people still have sometimes a very strong uh, connection to their faith even though they've lost trust in the institution and the authority and even though they don't have time or the interest to go to church on Sunday or even Saturday night anymore. So, again, I think as, as I've said and as our research suggests, that interior... And it's not just a, something that's happening, though, in the private sphere and 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 just deep inside your heart. It's, it's still people getting together in groups and, and doing this collectively. I'm a sociologist, so we're always looking at that social yeah. dimension. So those things are still very real for people, even if they're no longer the traditional, I belong to this one group and I go to church in this one place every Sunday. That's like old-style religion, and that... That has more or less gone uh, and been challenged by so many things that we've been talking about already this morning. Uh, But I think also you you have this sense that, again, we've touched on it earlier, that there are a lot of scandals that are happening and we were talking more specifically about um, Christian groups earlier, but certainly they're happening in other groups as well. And I do research on Buddhism and I myself identify uh, as a a Buddhist. And there have also been uh, terrible uh, cases of sexual abuse and scandals coming out about um, these things happening in Buddhist communities as well, and also um, other forms of misconduct that have been mentioned Mm -hmm. by your caller. And I would agree that it's through the sort of... uh, social media has has helped to democratize uh, knowledge and that's that's eroded this sense of uh, many religious groups have that that these issues are things that previously they felt they could deal with in-house and they could silence and they could um deal with in their own way and clearly they didn't deal with them well in their own way yeah. and again the social norms have changed and 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 we're realizing now the importance of victim-centered approaches to dealing with these uh issues and trauma informed uh, processes. And so the churches and the religious institutions are really struggling to to deal with that.
0: Because they never were honest about it in the first place. Uh, Rosa down on the corner says, are there any figures for Catholics who've left the Catholic Church owing to the crimes of priests against children? Uh, and not only uh, Catholics, but as you mentioned, other religions as well. I mean, we don't get this with the census the census means needs to be more qualitative than quantitative in a way we need to know why
1: that's right and i think you know this is the issue with the census look let's say but from the beginning it's it's amazing that we have this census data in australia right like and we've had it for a very long time which is quite rare so uh having that census census question where people can tell us uh, their religious affiliation that that really does help us to understand that changing pattern but other sociologists and including myself will say the problem with the census question is exactly as you've both uh, raised it doesn't it doesn't really tell you much it it only tells you what you are on that day and it doesn't tell you the reasons why why you are that uh, or also why you are no longer what you were five years ago or 10 years ago or 50 years ago Mm.
0: Um, Malin by Morris wants you to explain the difference between gnostic and agnostic.
1: Wow, <laughs> um, I'm not an expert on gnosticism at all, but as far as I know, gnosticism was a kind of um, religious movement. I think you would call it uh, around the time of uh, Christ. And they were um, so Gnostic. The 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 root the root word Gnostic is um, associated with um, I think knowledge and knowing. Um, so Gnosticism uh, they were kind of a, a, a mystical almost group and people who are experts on Gnostic, Gnosticism will probably say I'm wrong. But basically um, I know and there are there is some. Um, uh, a sense that maybe Christ himself might have been informed by some of the teachers of Gnosticism, and and my limited knowledge of the Gnostic teachings is they're really very profound and very beautiful, actually. Okay. Um, what I,
0: yeah, what I done yeah, to be, be agnostic, agnostic? Yep,
1: yeah, is to so agnosticism as opposed to being atheist. So an agnos an agnostic is someone who says they don't know. They don't know if there is a god. Um, they're not. They're not saying there isn't a god. They're not saying that they don't believe in a god. They're saying they just simply they don't know really what's going on in that in that mm-hmm. domain.
0: And one thing I don't know is why there is a silent G in Gnostic but not in agnostic. I don't know, <laughs> I
1: don't know either. It should not be either. agnostic perhaps.
0: Um, Atheists, by definition, says one of our texters, reject religion, but many of them recognise that religion still has things of value to offer humanity, such as community, architecture, that evokes a sense of awe and wonder, outstanding art and music, and so on. Ditching one's religion doesn't come without costs. This viewpoint is brilliantly outlined in the book Religion for Atheists by Elaine De Botton. Uh, Let's talk to Merrill. Good morning, Merrill. Hello. Yes. Tell me about the difference between religion or what you had—the church in England and the church in Australia.
6: Oh yeah. Well, in England, I my family said they were Christian, but actually they weren't. Right. I realised when I become a Christian. Um, <clears throat> we were sent to school, my uh, Sunday school. My parents never did. I felt that um, over there, there was this thing that. As long as you went to church at, Christ, at Christmas and Easter and Whitsuntide then you are covered which is absolutely ridiculous um, and they're generally the in the it was in the Anglican Church that the the sermons were very superficial so it didn't reach you whereas when I once I came here and I went to my local church just um, because my friends decided she wanted to send a go to Sunday school and would I take my daughter so in the end she left and I stayed Um, but I met a lady who told me that I could actually have a personal relationship with Jesus which I had never heard I didn't know I could pray to him and I would I had a problem about something, and I just said, Look, what do I do about this? And into my mind just came, Well, you do this, this, and this. And I thought, How logical and sensible. And I did the this, this, and this, and I resolved my issue. But, um,
0: okay, well, that's interesting. I'll, I- I'll just get uh, Anna to comment. Thank you very much for that, Meryl. So, it's there is a difference, obviously, between say Christian religions in Australia and Christian religions in. Uh, in the UK, um, C of E, they call it, and C and D, e, Christmas and Easter. Any uh, comment you want to make on that, Anna?
1: Yeah, look, I think, again, it speaks to some of the things that were raised by earlier callers, like uh, as in sometimes it can be a religious community leader or a religious figure that really will inspire your connection with that faith or help facilitate your connection with that faith. Um, it reminds me of a, uh, something one of my students came up with, which was a, a theory, not so much of best practice, but of best people. <laughs> Sometimes really it's the individual that can really have a transformative experience on a person's life or within an institution. Um, I think the other uh, the other point that was uh, made by the, the previous statement around uh, atheism recognizing the positive qualities in religion. I think I think this is really important that even within atheists or secularists there is a spectrum and there are some people within those groups that are strongly anti-religious and very critical of religion and don't see any benefit associated with religion at all and particularly linked to the abuse of power uh, with religion and they don't like religion, understandably, I would say, getting too close to the state um particularly in a particularly in a secular country such as Australia so the difference is uh some countries as we heard earlier in Europe and um even the UK have much more of a, a a strong relationship or have you know a state church for example have very close relationship between the state and a religious uh institution that has more power than others so that's complex and 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 I think the other um and and that's different in Australia you know we we don't we don't have um, a state church we never have and and that's very important
0: what about the fact that this is part of a, a wider i don't know if it's a problem in society or not but people don't join groups anymore. There are far few p- people who are members of political parties. There are far few uh, people who uh, identify as religious or go to church on Sundays or Saturdays or Fridays or where, wherever they're going. Um, that, that's the situation. There are probably fewer people who go to libraries. I don't know. The, 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 it's just something in society is that we, we don't belong to groups anymore unless they're some sort of online group.
1: Well, definitely, the online space is is very dynamic and very active. COVID obviously has also had a particular impact in terms of uh, real world activities in the last uh, few years. But there is also wonderful research on digital religion or online religion, and it seems to indicate that um, these spaces are not are not always as uh, as kind of differentiated as as we would think so a lot of things that happen online then then also are connected to real world activities and so that the 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 real world and the online world are always kind of um infusing and inspiring one another when it comes to religion i think that the point that you're making again goes back to more this sort of emphasis on individualism and neoliberalism and the fact that people I'm not so sure that we're not joining groups, but we're joining groups in different ways. You know, we're not we're not necessarily joining the same groups and we're not necessarily having a sort of affinity just with one particular group. There's a lot of uh, uh, dissatisfaction with older institutions and political parties, for example, but there's also real interest in alternatives. You know, the Greens did really well in the last election, and also as i mentioned there are people who are very much say committed to their yoga studio or their conscious dance group or their meditation group but that might not be the only group that they're part of uh i i would say increasingly we're we are always part of groups but we're part of groups in a more fluid way we come and go we don't stay necessarily in the one thing certainly not for our whole life and not necessarily for a long period of time either and we're members of multiple things, multiple groups, and, and we also have these multiple identities as well.
0: So before the census last year, there was a, a somewhat of a campaign where people were encouraged to select no religion. Do you think that the, the data might have been slightly distorted by that or reinforced?
1: Uh, it's a good question. There have been previous campaigns. Like uh, there was a campaign... Some time ago now uh, it came out of the UK for people to tick Jedi as a religion, uh, and that had a, a, quite a dramatic effect and there were a lot of Jedis. Uh, and then um, some sociologists did a study and said, well, why not? Actually, Jedi um, Jediism does tick most of the boxes of what constitutes a religion. So, yeah, these kinds of... Um, Push, pushes by certain groups, certain interest groups uh, to make sure that people do tick the right box in their mind on the census do happen uh, frequently and there'd be pushes also for people to uh, more strongly identify with their Christ- Christian identity happening at the same time as well. How effective they really are, I don't know. I mean, I don't think people are sort of likely to tick that box unless unless they have um, a- an affiliation with being non-religious the problem is that as i said before like being non-religious uh it, it kind of is a descriptor for so many other things that are really not adequately treated in the census people have tried to fix that by having these subcategories as i mentioned but but the problem is, is as soon as you call something a subcategory um not that many people are going to bother with the subcategories
0: interestingly i think it's the only non-compulsory question on the census isn't it
1: well I think again like it's fitting with Australian society that you don't necessarily have to answer that question and 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 you can you can uh choose to have religion um not stated you know you can elect to to have it not stated and I think that's that's a problem too that a lot of um Secularists were not a lot, but some people conflate those numbers. They'll conflate the no religion with the not stated, and that's absolutely uh, incorrect because if you think about the sort of people that might decide to not state their religion, they may actually be people who are coming from contexts where previously to state your religion um, could have had negative consequences for you. So there's understandable fears um, within many societies of publicly stating your religion in societies where there's religious persecution. Even in our own society, you could argue there's certainly been uh, strong Islamophobia in recent years. So some people who choose not to state their religion are doing that to just protect their privacy. Mm -hmm. It certainly doesn't mean that they're not religious.
0: Of course, we can go back to anti-Catholic behaviour by some people in, you know, hundred odd years ago in Australia or beyond that as well. There's always been some religion that is being picked out um, by people who don't like it or don't follow it. Anna Halifoff, thank you so much for being with us this morning and uh, answering so many questions and commenting on uh, many of our texts. And I'm sorry I couldn't get to read them all out, uh, but I appreciate them all. And Anna, thank you so much for being with us this morning.
1: Oh, no worries. It was a real pleasure. Overnights with Rod Quinn
4: on ABC Radio.